Okay, welcome to the Cultured Guitarist. My name is, uh, I need a nickname, Al. (laughs) (laughs) With me as ever is the clever, clever monkey, Mr. Casper. That's the best you get because you gave me literally 20 seconds. I love it. And uh, <laughs> if I only knew this is all I had to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, this is your root. You've caused the thing you hate the most, which is terrible ones. Do you want to start over? I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> with us as ever is ironically Andrew McCaig. That's right. Of, uh, well, of numerous things. Indeed. <laughs> Busy man. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> how how you know? Okay, let's let's give a little bio rundown. Yeah. Okay. I was I was like I, I wasn't gonna do this, but I I just you've done a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of cool things. So you work with satellite amplifiers. Yeah, have, I um, uh, off and on. Okay, so you you, yeah. you do that. You help out with uh, with them sometimes. Yep. Um, you have your own band. Um, you used to play with the presidents of the United States of America. That's right. Right. Off-road motorcycles. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of, you're a very multidimensional person. <laughs> my wife would say there's two dimensions. <laughs> I had a grade, my grade two yeah. teacher said that I had two speeds, dense, slow, <laughs> and stop. That's, that's three speeds. No, dense, slow. I had, a teacher, oh, I had no. a teacher tell me once that she goes, you know, Andrew, you might wind up working in a gas station, but you're going to be the happiest gas station attendant ever. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, you know those, like, aptitude things where they tell you what job you'd be suited for? Okay. <laughs> I did that in high school, and I got janitor. Oh, really? Like, the guidance counselor was like, That's it. there's always a need for janitors. And I'm like, thanks, yeah. coach. <laughs> I feel 50% more motivated than when I walked in here. Just real so excited. Pretty, just, that's, that's pretty amazing. You just look in his eyes with the, you know, the eyebrows yeah. raised going, no, 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 that's a good job. What, I'm saying, you know what? I'm not saying it's not. And I'm not saying there aren't like yeah. lots of people working happily as in the, in the janitorial yep. field. But like it's in the janitorial science. Just the way they presented it to me was just like they might as well have just been like, "You should dream lower." <laughs> yeah, we don't do aspirations. Yeah, it's like this is northern Alberta, kid. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ooh, kid, you're coming from Grand Prairie. You better squash those hopes and dreams now, man. Oh man. Well, okay. Let's let's fire. That's fair. I feel bad because we've had such a huge pre-show chat. Like, Man, that was, we, that was we, awesome. We, we've already been talking for like 35 minutes before we even hit record. <laughs> that's a little unusual for us, but that's okay. Uh, so, okay, what's been going on this week? Let's just kick it off, Andrew. You let's what's, What have you been up to this week, uh, guitar and music-wise, if anything? Um, <clears throat> this week, I've been, um, let's see here. What is today? Today's, well, what is it? Saturday? Saturday. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> not, so, not Wednesday, no. <laughs> I started the week in Seattle um, helping uh, the Museum of, Museum of Pop Culture uh, record more footage for a uh, annual fundraiser that they do um, that I've been helping with for years called Founders Award. And this year they're honoring um, 
Alice in Chains. And so we had a, a, a couple songs to pick up with uh, Kim Thale from Soundgarden and his band that he's he got together to to play some Alice songs, which was super cool. So I spent the whole day in a recording studio on Monday um, helping make that happen. And then Kim Thale is that dude is beyond icon. He's yeah, he's a, he's, he's cool. He's a really good dude. And um, he put together a band that a couple of friends of mine in it. um, Fortunately. So I got to kind of go up and see some buddies. I live in San Diego now, so it's, uh, it's nice to go back home and, and especially to get some work because it's kind of the first other than a few sessions um it's the first actual work i've done since march which has sucked (laughs) no doubt (laughs) but um but yeah i started the week there then i flew home um just in time for this election uh to drag on for uh days and days um and dove right back into getting this house ready that my wife and i uh, have bought and have been we had to move into right before I left and then um and then now we're in and we're it's like half construction project half uh house of that we live in so yeah man that's the story that's my story <laughs> wow it's it's it, you know the most amazing part of that story was when you said the election only lasted days <laughs> no pretty no, sure to, to be pretty fair sure it was after a decade going, yeah well after going through the gore um situation um gw situation in 2000 it it is possible for it to last a really you know quite a bit longer than that so i was grateful for it for it only being five days fair enough and and we got to acknowledge there's some irony in the fact that we are recording this you're 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 a member Mm -hmm. of the president's united states of america and somehow we managed to record this literally the day an election is called Mm yeah it's States. um that it's crazy to be fair it's been a day of celebration at the mckeg house um, <laughs> and uh, i don't mind saying that i i try to keep my <clears throat> i try to as best i can i try to keep my personal preferences politically um out of my public stuff but it, this is tolerating that moron for this long has been uh, a chore <laughs> and I'm kind of okay with people knowing that I don't like the dude. <laughs> you know what? That's uh, we've actually said, we try not to get political on the yeah. show and we've definitely expressed our, uh, distaste for Mr. Trump as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what happened to well put together, uh, candidates like Mr. John McCain. Um, yeah, but uh, it'd be nice if both parties would put forth people of the yeah. <laughs> quality yeah. every time. But uh, anyway, I think it, there's I think there's quite a there's it'll be interesting to see what happens next. You know, if we if we're able to really kind of clear out this furball forever and 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 move away from this level of insanity. But I think there's always going to be a test of the of the system, and sure. it it could happen in as it. It happens worldwide, you know. Um, I think any rift can be healed if the people involved want to heal. If, sure. You know, and, and I truly hope that is the path we're looking at, regardless yep. of political political views. Well, okay. Um, Cass- I'm just ready to end that particular noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, let's let's get on to happier <laughs> guitar stuff. So, Casper, what are you Absolutely. been up to this week, buddy? You've uh... I installed a True Tone CS12 in my pedal board. 
replaced a $40 Mifi pedal board power supply with a True Tone CS12. And if anybody can see the look on my face, the, it is a look of happiness, a little bit of joy even, and relief. I'm just jealous because I don't even know where my pedal boards are. <laughs> I'm jealous that you said pedal boards. <laughs> yeah, as in plural. <laughs> well, <laughs> I used to make fun of pedals and pedal boards for the longest time until I joined the presidents and I had to have one. And then it just, it just, just went from there. It just took uh, off no, and you I, went down the rabbit hole, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once I embraced it, then it was over. Yeah. Casper <laughs> oh, a year ago did not have pedals. Yep. He had none. none. Yeah. I had none. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, can I take credit for ruining that or do you, you can, yep. Yeah. That was your I fault. influenced it at least. It was your fault. <laughs> You're like, Oh man, come on. What about, Delay and reverb. I'm like, I don't really need that stuff, man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm looking at a pedal board that dwarfs mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm relieved you have a CS12 now, oh, man. Because I was getting worried about your many thousands of dollars worth of pedals. <laughs> well, exactly that. I I mean, some of them, you know, a, a DD3 I could probably drum up again, you know, but. You know, the, some of the lesser things that are on there, but man, my, sure. like my doctor scientist atmosphere, I would cry. I would cry. If okay, any that of my is also one stuff of the easily, off. like we live an hour and a half from those people, man, but, but they're, they're just not cheap. That's, I, all. that's true. You know, the one that I would, I would hate to see burn up is your Shones. Yeah, I know. And that's that it, it would actually burn. Like if, if it caught fire, it would, it would burn. It's, it's not made like there's another skate deck that's no, nope. <laughs> exactly. So that's uh that's pretty much been my week i played a little bit of guitar this week um but not a lot i've been super busy with work and and life and stuff so yeah have you do you, sorry just do you know shoneswood andrew uh-uh. man oh. okay we gotta i gotta i gotta hook you up with something there yes it seems like something that'd be right up your alley totally yeah, yeah if it if it's um if it isn't doesn't make blurps and bleeps, I'm always into it. Nah, but if man. it makes blurps and bleeps, he, I'm kind of I, I don't know what to do with those. Kevin Kevin would be the first to admit he's not a circuit designer. No. Yeah. Um. So he yeah. only makes a few different types of pedals, and they're all either he has a fuzz circuit, a couple of overdrive circuits, and like a clean boost. Yep. Oh um, yeah, I'd be a sucker for all, any any and all. <laughs> but the real the real goodness behind them is all of his pedals are housed inside enclosures that he makes out of old used skateboard decks oh really yep oh how cool yeah, yeah. so he takes and he, most of them are kind of donated from riders like it's you know thrash them up and then and then almost he, er, yeah it's very and then rare he, he makes one out he of a new deck. creates uh art basically an art piece out of the box yeah and uh they're they're meticulously crafted let's <laughs> like, say the, oh, the guy wow. puts like 20 hours into each box. It's crazy. If not more. If yeah. not more. It's, so each one is like one of one. There's, no, there's yeah. no two that are ever the same. They're amazing. Yeah. So I've got one. That's, oh, my God. That's uh, amazing. It's a, a drive circuit, a fuzz circuit, and a drive circuit, all three in one box. And then uh, the face of it is a, it's a big pink chihuahua smoking a cigarette. Or it's a pink, pink deck with a chihuahua smoking a cigarette. Wow. So wait. So, <clears throat> so you have two different levels of of drive yeah i've got a i've got a gain stage and then a fuzz stage and then a gain stage and they're they're basically sand like the fudge is sandwiched between the two drives so it's three switches yeah i'll I'll, I'll text you a picture of it right now yeah i'd love to see it yep 
because it's just it's yeah he, <laughs> it's such oh a that's so battle. cool that's that sounds amazing yeah and so yeah. And like each one is completely different from the next oh, art wise picture upside down because i'm a numpty <laughs> <laughs> i knew that was happening i watched it like yeah. your face i didn't think about it but <laughs> anyway it's, i sent you a picture of this thing andrew it's it's pretty rad i should take a picture oh of look at that that's amazing yeah i'll take a picture of it from the side so you can get a side it view. is upside down too <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> oh wow! Oh, I dig it. Yeah, cool. So, well, I uh, should send him some skateboard decks because I oh have man, he would die. <laughs> he like that's one thing that he needs more than anything. And uh, we actually, try to yeah. <laughs> we try to put it out there all the time that he's looking all the time for. He, for skate so decks. I'll just send a bunch of Canadian maple back to Canada. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> no, seriously, he actually he would love it if if we connected you that for that because he's. Oh, he's yeah. so desperate for skateboards. He so he's <clears> in the middle of uh, Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan, the Canadian prairies, where yeah. it's winter six months out of the year. So his supply of quality used skate decks is very limited. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's tough. So now, how much of a hassle is it to send skateboards up there? Probably I, not too bad. I don't, I don't think it's, it's too bad. bad. When I mean, any time I've ever sent him decks, all I ever do is just like. Slam them all together, wrap, wrap them in them cardboard, in saran wrap. Yeah. I don't even put cardboard on them. Really? Oh, I you just put them the up. yeah. I just wrap them all together <laughs> tightly with saran wrap and just send them in the mail because they're they're already thrashed. Yeah, and he doesn't oh, care for more. That's thrashed. the perfect solution for. I'm I'll, I'm going to send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I can do this. I think. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I can do this by putting you on phone there. <laughs> 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 oh man it's, you know what's actually funny it's been a while since well, the we up, it has been a while since we brought up kev please hold accessing <laughs> very excited to see okay. what just take me a second here to no worries man the garage is like so crazy all right you're, so what you're, were we talking about <laughs> we're you, you were just sending a picture. We started talking about Casper's oh, yeah, pedal boards and stuff. Uh, yeah. While we're speaking about <laughs> Well, this week in, in music, is that's it. I put my CS12 uh, on my board yeah. and, and, and fired up the Iron Horse as well from um, Outlaw FX, and that is everything is clean, smooth power, man. Mm. Um, I'm so excited you have a really good power supply on there, man. Like, Yeah, I'm relieved. More like, than anything. It's one of those things I was like, oh, man, I was so excited. I was, like, literally shaking the box when I got it. I was so stoked. Because after having the experience of, like, being on tour, having janky power, like, send a shock to my board and the power supply taking the hit instead of my pedals. Yeah. I've just been super paranoid ever since. Mind you, it was, it was Australian powered. It was at 220, not 110, like yeah, it was here true. in North America. So I don't know if that makes it more likely to happen or not. Okay, I got a picture from Andrew. Oh my gosh, you got a bunch of decks. Yeah, the, <clears throat> those are just in a pile. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I sent the, <laughs> the ones <laughs> to Kevin. It's just, just like that, I just wrapped them all together with saran wrap until they couldn't move. <laughs> we should, uh, we should send a satellite deck. There's some oh, satellite skateboard oh, decks too. Yeah, yeah, Kev would love That'd that. That'd be good too. He's a huge okay. fan of satellite amps. Oh, cool. <laughs> Unreal. Oh, he's gonna. He's gonna. Yep. He's, he's gonna, gonna go. Be a very happy, dude. Yep. <laughs> he's he's been a little down lately. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, uh, I I wish I had more cool stuff to talk about for myself this week. I don't have a lot. I've been 
coordinating a little bit on the uh, um, Movember charity oh, yeah. show I'm, I'm going to be part of at the end of the month. And uh, otherwise, haven't done a whole lot. Haven't really played much at all. We've been uh, kind of doing some renovate type work on our trailer and trying to get it winter ready because there's going to be snow eventually. Yeah, it's coming. It is Canada. That was the weirdest first snowfall we got, man. Like a foot, and like then f- it all melted. Yeah, within two days. It was like, <laughs> bam, heck? welcome to winter. And yeah. then, oh, wait, where'd it go? It was weird. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I've been, I've been busy doing stuff like that, like not much musical, which is always a bit of a bummer. Although I did have a really good conversation with Mike from Uncle Amplification. Because mm. I need one of these preamps in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you do. I do. Uh, that guy had got me addicted, man. No, I, I, no, I, I can't live without it. I actually can't live without it either. <laughs> it, 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 what are these things you're discussing? Um, preamps? Uncle. So O-N-K-E-L is the, is the German for uncle. Uncle okay. amplification. And essentially everything he makes is a custom-made piece. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he'll do everything from like full amps to stereo doing amp setups to pedals pedals to with di tube, boxes tube, to, tube powered reverb pedals and like all kinds yeah. of and um, craziness we had him on the show yeah. a while back and then uh he he goes what's your address i'm gonna send you a little something and we thought we were gonna get some stickers or a card or something or you know in the back of our greedy little minds we we're like maybe we'll get a free pedal <laughs> <laughs> you know we're yeah we're apes at heart <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> i got a good story about it a pedal I thought was going to be free that you guys will get a kick out of. Remind me to tell that. Later. We will get to it right after will. this. <laughs> um, and then uh, a package showed up at my, my place and uh, I opened it up and it was way bigger than a pedal would be. And it was this yeah. uh, little preamps that he makes yep. that are, they Two look preamp. like little amp, little like amp heads without the chassis around them. Yep. Yeah. It's got a, a, a preamp tube and a transformer on the top of it. And uh, it's, it's just a preamp. It's, yep. Um, you can use it for whatever you want. It's got a but, DI out or a yep. quarter inch out on the back. The difference is, is this one's actually full of like magic fairy dust that makes <laughs> everything perfect. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Where it's like it's got a volume and a treble and a bass. And even if you just have everything at, at like, noon, you don't touch it. It's just like just having the stupid thing on just makes everything sound better. Yeah. And uh, I love stuff like that. I I can't get enough of clean boosts and stuff like that because a good one just even just sitting there on just sounds good. Yeah. It's, and then you're in the danger of like, Oh, well now I'm using my clean boost all the time. So I need another clean boost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many clean boosts do you have out? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot. There's, yeah. there's two on my board right now, not to mention the boost bot underneath yeah. the buffer. Uh, boost, yeah. boost pedal. Like, <laughs> I know. All right. So yeah, what's this pedal story, man? <laughs> okay. So about, 2008 it was i think when mitch mitchell died jimmy hendrix's drummer and for years i have worked both for um for the museum of pop culture which was then known as the experienced music project started by paul allen um, but inspired by jimmy hendrix um so i was always associated with them and then when i left the museum um I got kind of sucked into the experience Hendrix world, which is, you know, Jimmy's family um, running the, 
you know, the family business, which is, is the name and the catalog and um, all things that are associated with it. So um, I toured kind of helping those guys doing shows and then it became more serious when it was went from like a week or a couple days to uh to a month at a time every couple of years um <clears throat> so anyway mitch mitchell passed away in 2008 and and i got a call from the experience hendrix people saying hey uh can you go to england and go through with mitch's widow go through his stuff um because we're going to send a bunch of stuff to the museum and some other stuff that they just needed. They needed someone other than Mitch's widow to be there to like, because it was super emotional for her. And, um, of course. and, uh, yeah, it was just a really heavy thing. And, and she knew that I knew Mitch. And so, and that Mitch trusted me for some strange reason. And, and so she's like, yeah, Andrew would be great. So anyway, so I flew to England, uh, to the South of England, to this little town called Rye, um, where, uh incidentally jerry stickles who is jimmy jimmy's roadie um jerry had grown up so that's a whole other side of this story but anyway so i spent a few days in rye going through these storage buildings um with mitch's widow d and it's super it was a strangely warm april in the south of england like uncomfortably warm so i'm in these shipping containers all day long, stuff is just tossed into these containers. It's just Mitch's entire life, all his stuff, just thrown in piles into these shipping containers. And finally, I don't know, halfway through the first day or something, I got the story, and it turned out that the place had flooded because it's right on the coast. Um, and so this storage place where they kept all their stuff had flooded, and so this everything was <clears throat> kind of hurriedly moved into these. Um, full-on steel shipping containers from the regular storage facility. So that was why it was such a mess. But anyway, then, you know, Mitch dies unexpectedly, and then she's she's going to move, she's going to consolidate, she's got to go through all this stuff. I'm in one shipping container just mucking it out. Looking, I'm look, What I'm looking for for the museum is anything um, that is historical and and tied to the Jimmy era, you know. And like anybody who's lived a long, you know, life, um, Mitch had lived all over the place and had had sold stuff and given stuff away and had things stolen and but there was a remarkable remarkable amount of stuff that was still hanging out that was like kind of associated with that time and so I like I found his Beetle boots and rad old photo albums when Mitch was a child actor and um, all kinds of cool stuff. But at some point, I hear I. Now, Mitch's widow D, she sounds like Mary Poppins, kind of like <laughs> she she was a sweet she's the sweetest lady, and she had um, she met Mitch because she was a researcher at the BBC and had had come upon um, money that Mitch and Noel were owed from the BBC, and so she contacted them separately, you know, to have them come in and get their checks or whatever and so that's how she met mitch is that he came in and so they'd been together quite a while and they were you know <clears throat> just the cutest little couple but she sounds she's like i hear this voice from the other shipping container you know two doors down i just hear this andrew <laughs> have you seen the fuzzy faces oh, and no. i'm like what oh, boy. 
was like, what? And she goes, oh, yes. And she comes trotting along, and she's got a little bag or box or something, and she comes into the one I'm working in, and she's like, have you seen these fuzzy faces? And she's showing me um, the better part of two late 60s Dallas Arbiter fuzz faces. And um, one looks cool enough on their own. Yeah. Right. One looks super, one is very complete. Like, I, you know, very complete. Um, then the other one looks like maybe the, you know, the back is hanging on by one screw and, and it's missing the knobs or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of noted that they were there and wow, that's cool. And she's like, oh yes, he says he, they were Jimmy's and, you know, and he's always kept them and he told, you know, just anyway, so maybe you'd like these for the museum. And I was like, I think we would, that'd be great. And so I, we kind of set them aside, you know, well, I had, I had like that day and maybe the full next day to get everything ready before a museum shipper showed up. And it boxed everything up and put it in a you know truck and took it um, to London and then and then off off to America, and so I had a lot to do and I just didn't I just kind of kept cataloging and kept pulling stuff out and bagging stuff up and like it was really hard like I was going through drum stuff calling my friend in the U S my friend Mike Musburger who had also worked with Mitch as a tech and. I was in the posies and teched for the presidents. And anyway, old friend of mine, um, I was calling Mike going, Mike, okay, I got most of the Ludwig kit and I, it's got this and it's got this. And does this hardware fit with this? And does this symbol and like, I hate drums. I don't care, but like I had to do it. <laughs> and, you know, meanwhile, you know, she's trotting in with like, Oh, Andrew, Jeff, Jeff said that this was a bit of a Gretsch. And I'm like, what the, Jeff who? Oh, Jeff Beck. And I was like, <laughs> I took it over to his house. And I was like, stuff like that, like continually happening to me. Well, oh my so gosh. Long, First so off, your British story. accent, sir, oh. may I say. <laughs> well, she does sound like Mary Poppins. No, just, but, I just love it. We have a friend. But it, uh, she's just the sweetest lady. Um, so we so we reach the end of our thing, and I, you know, I pack up, we get all this stuff out, and there's so much more to this story and there's so many more interesting things I learned about her and the work she'd been doing to find out how Jimmy had died. And there was, this, there's an epic, epic amount of information that my poor little brain was um, absorbing during those few days. But anyway, I get back home, I finish my task and I go home and, and I'm back in the office and I get a call from D and she's like, she goes, Andrew, she goes, you must, I, she kept trying to give me stuff. Like you take something. Mitch would have wanted you to have something. I was like, no, D I'm not going to take his stuff. Just, I don't need anything. You know, don't worry about it. But she kept at me. And so finally, finally, like she calls me in my, in my office in Seattle. And she's like, she's like, Hey, she goes, you got to take something. I want you to, I want to give you something. Mitch would be really would want you to have something. So I said, okay, all right, I'll think about it. So I composed this email to her because it suddenly occurred to me that, you know, what would be really sad is if there are two fuzz faces. So if one of them was in the museum and then one of them got played by some dude that plays guitar still, um, that'd be cool. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I composed this, I took me, 
days to write this email. And it was a short email because I was trying to keep it succinct. But I write this email and I labored over it and I felt so weird about it because I knew the value intrinsic and financial and, and otherwise of what I was asking to take, right? But I was but she did she did pester me so much that I finally said <laughs> I was like, I gotta say something. I gotta ask for something. And so I asked for one of the fuzz faces. And um and I sent the email off and got a really fast reply that she said, Oh, Janie Hendricks is taking one of them and then the other one's going to my son in law. And I was just like Oh, well, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, big, big story, big letdown. <laughs> did you end up, did you end up taking anything? Did she, did she get her way? You know, I never did. Um, I, I guess it just didn't, it, I, I was right to really just say thank you, but no, thank you. It was in the end, I think she actually wished there were three fuzz faces, and so did I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, I I mourn the fuzz face that never was. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a cool thing that must have been, though. That, yeah, that's a cool. Yeah. That's a very cool experience. Just to what what an honor to be her companion for that. That's... Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing, and and you know I think in many ways being able to uh, a lot of my a lot of my rock stories are are stories that have very little to do with me playing music with with people that other people know. It's more the, those kind of situations where I I was doing work for the museum or for Experience Hendrix or or something, and I just wound up in these people's orbit and. Um, one of the things I really took away from everything Jimmy related was that the people that knew Jimmy were cool people. Um, mm. like Jimmy was a cool dude and he, the people that he liked were cool people. Um, and I, it, the, it, he was selective, you know, and it, it shows in the, in the folks that he chose to have around him. So should we all be? Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, okay. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit um, because because uh, I'm selfish. Um, <laughs> That's not apparent at all. <laughs> well, I just I really want to. There's a couple things I really want to know. A, uh, I really want to know, like you know, the, obviously we want to talk to you a little bit about like your time at the presidents and how that came about and. Uh, the nerdier side of me has always been very curious about the gear you guys used mm. in that band. Oh yeah, because it was all it was quite sure. unique and, uh, to be honest, a little under talked about in the pantheons of guitar nerdery on the internet. So. Yeah, there was. Oh yeah. Hey, where was your gig? Your gear? Your gear? What is the? Because you know, I'm lo I've lost it. Did you mod it yourself? Who? You know, like, your rig just, rundown just, is just what I was trying me, to say. Yeah, give me the give me the nitty gritty. So yeah, maybe maybe let's start with the history of of your involvement and then we'll, we can talk about the nerdy gear stuff after that well i started playing with the presidents in 2004 um i was at a <clears throat> i was at a show at the crocodile and jason the drummer came up to me and we'd been friends and played together off and on in silly cover bands and other things around town and 
he came up to me and bought me a drink um, and then said, hey, would it, would it turn your stomach to play some president's shows? <laughs> and that, I was is that like, a quote? <laughs> yeah, that's a direct quote. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> and I said, I was like, you mean, you, you guys, I knew they had just made a sort of, they had just gotten back together and I knew they had um, just made a new record. And it was unreleased, but um, I knew it was in the can. And I said, oh, you guys need a second guitar player because you got a bunch of extra parts or something. He goes, no, you'd be Dave. <laughs> and I was like, really weird. I said, I remember asking him, what about the three-string thing? And he goes, well, we'd like you to try it, but we can do it, you know, six-string if you want, if you're more comfortable with it. And I'm just like, okay, this is all very strange, but let me think about it. And I, and it, I'm of course I'm always gonna say yes because those guys are my friends. And, um, but I had never imagined playing in that band. It just wasn't like I didn't think about rock and roll from that vantage point, if that makes sense. You know, I mean, I, I, I like my sort of standard issue classic rock, blues. Um, rock and roll, loud noise stuff, regular style, not with humor and uh, and silliness and um, and weird tunings and everything. I'm I'm a pretty meat potatoes um, dude, and <clears throat> and so I woke up. I remember standing in the kitchen with my wife, going, "Jason said the weirdest thing to me last night at the bar." And she goes, oh, yeah, what? And I said, well, he asked me to play with the president. She goes, well, I guess you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went downstairs and um, and I I plugged in my guitar and I put on those president's records. And I, for the first time, thought about that music as music that I would potentially play and immediately realized, well, I got to do the three string thing. Like there's no way around it. And um, so then I tried to do it on my 66 Strat with like just taking off the high strings and that sounded crummy. And then, um, and then I finally just called Dave um, and, and said, dude, what do you do? What are the gauges? How did you do this? And he goes, Oh, just come over. And, and, you know, in fact, he goes, just take my guitar. It's all set up for it anyway. So, <laughs> so I just went over to his place and like we've we we just dinked around with the guitars a little bit and he, he's like here just take this he had this that natural uh strat that he used to play in the band and he's like just take this it'll work better and so i use that for rehearsals and stuff and um and kind of taught myself how to play three string crazy <laughs> and it was weird man i mean you, i sat with dave first and then i then i sat with chris um and then i think i finally went to a rehearsal with those guys and and um it, there was never any real tryout. It was just like, well, he's he's willing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, if they'd have asked yeah. me, I. I... <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. Like now, I think back, and I think, oh well, I think I think Jason and I had a good enough working relationship playing in other bands and stuff that he's like, well, Andrew's reliable. He doesn't annoy me too much. Um, <laughs> And he'll probably say yes to most of the things we want to do. So he's probably the right guy. 
that's a tricky thing. You know, I, I, I've done a lot of touring in, in bands and, and finding people that are reliable that can do the, do the job, but also you can tolerate traveling with them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, is a tall order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, usually you get a, two out of three. <laughs> exactly. There, and you get used to the thing that's missing and, or, or at some point it becomes the burr in the saddle and you got to just, yep. you know, get out of there. I, um, I do remember the very first show I played with them was in Minneapolis. And of course, Minneapolis was now the home of my partner in crime from a San Diego band of your called Uncle Joe's Big Old Driver. And we, so Dave was there. He was the other guitar player singer. And he stood on the side of the stage and watched me shiver in my boots for the entire gig with a big smile on his face. He was like, I've never seen you so nervous to play guitar. That's amazing. That's hilarious. And there was a, there was a dude in the very middle of the crowd who was so pissed that I wasn't Dave, that he stood there with his middle finger in the air, the entire set. (laughs) Which just, just, how fitting is that for the friendliest <laughs> band ever? Yeah, no. I know. Like, we're singing about bugs and dune buggies and middle finger the whole set. Well, because Chris made a real point of like not saying anything about me being the new guy or anything until the very last song. And it was only then that they brought the house lights up or whatever. And I look back and then saw this guy's finger. And then later Chris goes, oh, yeah, that guy, his was finger like- was up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man jeez imagine like let's just let's just let's indulge this for a second but imagine being that guy yeah i know imagine that's like that's the level of life you're at we're like (laughs) he was a trump supporter before trump (laughs) you're you're gonna spend like a two-hour show with your middle fingers held high just to be I know, like, what a, you're a different work. guy that I'm never going to meet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stole everything from him, Andrew. I like, care oh that my the God. other guy standing on the side of the stage smiling about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Oh, my God. Pretty rough. <laughs> you know that guy's angrily led his girlfriend out of a restaurant with his hand clamped around her bicep or something. <laughs> Yeah, just I I don't know. I think it's funny, but but then I think you know I think about the shows that I saw when I you know would get upset because oh man, Gary Richrath isn't in Ario Speedwagon anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But did you stand in the middle of the audience with your finger? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's being disappointed. Like I I, okay, I get it. Like oh, Darcy isn't playing bass in the Pumpkins. Yeah, but right. just to to stand there with like a yeah with your finger held high for a long time yeah. solving yeah, problems. Impressive. Yeah, like <laughs> like yeah. I I don't know if I like if I held my hand, my arm outstretched with my middle finger up for ten fifteen minutes, I my arm would get tired. Oh yeah, I would totally like <laughs> give up and yeah. be like, well that that was my like, you gotta, stick it to the man you moment. Just think he was sitting there just like. <laughs> Come on, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Don't be a quitter. It's like shaking. It's just yes. shaking. The fin- yeah, the you don't want to go home shaking. and not have fingered in the whole set. He's holding it with his other hand. Yeah. yeah. Give it more Stick to it. <laughs> this will put Dave back on stage. <laughs> wow. Terrible. Oh man. Okay, so you were also you, you said this earlier, and I'm I'm very excited at the conversion of, of Andrew's heart towards pedal boards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this yeah. was the beginning. 
of <laughs> yeah it was yeah in fact i um <clears throat> i just you know man i i, I from the for me from for what i did music wise you know wah wah pedal every once in a while often a tube screamer or i think i had this a stamps drive a matic for a long time that i used um small stone might throw one of those in there but i didn't i never had a pedal board i never had more than two things on the floor uh i often really never even used a tuner um which i apologize now to my drummers over the years <laughs> that. you know 100 watts 69 super bass um and no tuner um always pleasant dun, dun, like full volume but <laughs> but the president's thing because i because again i like i went over to dave's and i'm like hey dave all right so uh let's do this guitar thing and i was like oh what about pedals he goes well i always use you know some sort of fuzz some sort of boost and like a phase and i was like okay well i think i've got some of that covered and so when i first started playing those shows with them i had my old um uh small stone big small stone you know and then um <clears throat> and then i had a uh just tube screamer and a uh, one of those russian big muffs and then because I had, I used to have a pie, a Big Muff pie that was just the most amazing sounding Big Muff ever. Kind of the greatest. It was maybe the greatest pedal I've ever had, but it had gotten stolen. Um, so really, that's what I was using is just just the three things. But then I had to go do these shows, and so that meant jumping on an airplane, and that was a whole like learning experience. Just learning how to travel with two guitars and and how to, you know, because we didn't we were getting backline in in every place we played so um so we weren't carrying an amp it was it was like i was like i was using whatever dave had on the rider um and they were ac30s but it was never it was never a good ac30 it was always like the one with all the extra switches that sucks <laughs> and uh and it was if if it was a basement it wasn't an old cool basement it was like a crummy new basement or it was a you know, God forbid, one of those Devilles, which is maybe the worst amplifier ever made by oh, any human on the planet. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh man, here we go. <laughs> I have a lot of hate for those amplifiers. <laughs> really, I like the Blues Devilles, but that's... oh god, and, it's just uh, inevitable. It's like. No, you don't need to bring an amp. They got backline. What do they got? A twin and it's, a Deville. It's always going to yep. be a Deville. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. <laughs> God. But um, but anyway, yeah. So so I kind of had to have a pedal board. So I remember going to get. I bought something that had power on it. It had like a little fuzzy patch, and I used that for a while, and it broke. And then, and then uh, my guy, the guy that works for us, Mike Squires, who now has his own podcast and gear stuff he uh, couch riffs do you know mike squires i don't yeah, know where I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. you guys should stuff. check him out it's great um he uh he was like andrew just make your own <laughs> so then that was it it was like okay i can make my own pedal boards and then i got kind of into it and then it was all over and then i've yeah. just been screwed ever since now i've got <laughs> you know all the different sizes and i can i make little corners with aluminum channel and i you know, I don't know. I get kind of into it. Yep. I yep. yeah. Al and I built both of ours. Well, his is a a 
shrunken version of the the piece that we used for mine. So it's like we bought two of these shelves and just built them out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting Depot. boards. Well, we so yeah. Home Depot has these metal shelves you can buy that are meant to clip onto like uh like warehouse racks. Warehouse rack type. Oh, shelving. I know the ones. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're black. They're angled. They're about two inches on the low end and four inches on the back. And so they're they're angled up nicely. They have a nice underside that fits power supplies and stuff. So yeah, and they got holes so you can run all your stuff through them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we we had to use a step drill bit to uh, enlarge them to enlarge the holes because yeah. they they were square oh, and didn't right. really fit cables through them. But it was actually a fun little project. We made a whole, it's one of our Instagram highlights. If you follow us on Instagram, oh, listeners. Oh, I got to get on it. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you look at that picture Al sent of the, the Schoenswood that he sent you earlier, you can kind of get a grasp of what I did with it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so Casper's, we didn't have to cut his down at all because he, he's not traveling anywhere with it. Didn't, you know, didn't matter. He just, and frankly, he's out of room with the stupid thing already. Anyway. Yeah. Um, mine, I wanted it to fit into my pedalboard case that i take on the road so we cut mine down to a very specific size and yep. uh i i try to keep my actual pedals for for the road very minimal because you can pretty yeah. well you can pretty well run your show not not like your rc30 aside but like three pedals right four pedals including yeah the if you're well if you're including my looper or my tuner yeah as a pedal that you know which i don't um <laughs> <laughs> it's well it's it's there i would i would be very like oh man i would get very um you would be lost i'd be yeah <laughs> it's become a very like superstitious thing i have to have my boss tu3 tuner with me when i play the show um if so it's tuner i need a clean boost uh a delay and a reverb everything else completely yeah. optional um some kind of drive Usually though, not even not even that from for what I do. Huh. I like that, but I don't yeah. need it. <laughs> <laughs> so I could have a really small pedal board if I really wanted to, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> it's like I tend to. Oh, it goes gig to gig because I don't just play in one band anymore at all. So I, I'm kind of in. Well, I don't play. In, I don't do anything now because there's <laughs> yeah. no gigs. Yeah, but, uh, there, but prior to this, <laughs> it was always. Oh, that's kind of the. That's kind of the go-to blues band one, which is almost nothing. And then that's kind of the regular rock and roll one. But that, but then this is the yacht rock one, and the yacht rock one requires all the stupid sounds from every seventies record. <laughs> um. See, so yeah. I, so when I like this is just for like my solo stuff. Which when I'm touring on my own, it's just me and an acoustic. And yeah. Oh yeah. And for most of the show, I'm not even using any of the pedals. Um. But, like, I do fill in stuff with, there's a band that I play with semi-regularly when, when music was still really actively happening called The Steadies yeah. or a, a rock reggae group. And so the, you know, that involves a lot more drive pedals on the board and some, you know, fun stuff like that. But, so the pedal. Yeah, the one that changes. always throws me, for a, throws me for a loop is when you have to have something that's, that gives you kind of an overall distorted sound that's sort of not necessarily low volume, you know, mm-hmm. but, but also not, it's where you got to have the fuzz, but you don't, I always associate fuzz with volume. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole idea of having an overdriven tone, but keeping it at a manageable volume is like foreign to me. <laughs> 
So you play in a blues band, but you don't understand tube screamers? <laughs> oh, oh no, I understand <laughs> just, those just, just, because, <laughs> yeah, it just makes it louder. I just want everything if louder. Okay, okay, I'll make it fuzzy. I just turn it all the way up. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. So okay, so did you mod your guitars then for doing the three string thing, or did you kind of yeah buy and set up specific guitars for that? It varied. At first, I used Dave's guitar, and then, and then I, <clears throat> I had a a Tele custom that I, um, you know, took three of the tuners off and moved the saddles around. Um, I mean, really, what you're doing is making space for bigger strings in slots that they don't belong. Mm. And um, and so you move the three low strings down to the center of the guitar, and um, <clears throat> and then you cut the nut to fit so that you're like I would do 52, 42, 32 would be the string gauges or 50, 40, 30, whatever I had at the time. Um, it's big, but not like ginormous. No. Yeah, no. And then, but it's tuned to C sharp. So okay. it's C sharp, G sharp, C sharp. And, um, and then Chris's guitars, um, but they're just regular guitar scale. They're not basses. Uh, with one bass string and one guitar string. And it was like a 60 and a 32 or something like that. Or no, 60 and a 36, I'm sorry. Um, and it's tuned to the same pitch. So C sharp, G sharp. Okay. So it was kind of a little more low sounding. Like it's a ba- low like sounding. Kind of bass-ish. But... It's bass. That's why he called it the bassitar. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And then, yeah, what what I thought was cool is that he, I don't know how long we were into doing it, a few months or something. He goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I just really, if it's working right, it should sound like one instrument. And uh, I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, cool. So that's, <clears throat> that just meant I had to pay even closer attention. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, and. What do you do? Um, what is your most active music stuff currently? Is that the 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 Andrew McCaig band? Um, it was. I mean, pre-COVID, it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I put that record out a few years ago. Um, did some gigs, but you know, when it, that was more sort of just a personal project, my brother and I worked on um, together to put that record out, and um, I definitely did some shows, but it, you know, there's just no demand to um, to tour it so um financially it wasn't didn't make sense to go on the road i would have loved to have taken it further but maybe maybe next record and um i was playing in a san diego band called dirty sweet which is a great rock and roll band who'd been around off and on for years uh before i joined them uh and then i play with this lady dotty um who's a blues singer here in san diego that uh has been around for a long, long time here. She's originally from Alabama, but just kind of a bunch of dirty white guys backing up this far classier than we are. Um, gal who, uh, she's in her mid to mid to late seventies now and really, really fun sort of San Diego legend. Um, so we play with her, um, man, 
I play in a yacht rock cover band. <laughs> I've done a lot of Jimmy I, Buffett songs. <laughs> no, God, no, no, no. We're selective. Um, <laughs> well, we we stopped short of that, but we, you know, you get your Jerry Rafferty, you get your, you know, the, the kind of classic seventies AM gold kind of stuff. All right, cool. Um, and those are actually really fun gigs and hard to, you know, learn Steely Dan songs and, you know, actually figure out those 8 million chords that they put unnecessarily into every song, <laughs> which has never been my forte, but, um, <laughs> you with remember repetition. the jazz rock part of <laughs> dude. It's no joke. I mean, I think there's 13 chords in the, in the chorus of peg. <laughs> Oh man, it just doesn't, there's, it's, you know what, to me, you know what, Andrew, tell me uh, how you really feel. I know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to me, like the seventies sort of soft rock thing was like the revenge of the nerds. It was, (laughs) it was like the jazz guys figured out that, uh, this rock and roll thing seems to be really getting all the chicks. You know what? We can do it and we'll make it complicated. And we'll make it so no rock guys can play this music. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, nope. no, you're. It's like every like me. I mean, I like humble pie and the faces and ACDC and you know. I mean, I like basic meat, just basic stuff. And and so to wrap your brain around these insane chords, which are really you're just following chromatically. You're following half steps all the way down the neck but of course they've got to have four notes per half step change it's, it's piano gotta be stuff. in the song andrew well, yeah <laughs> that's what makes the song god yeah, but if you didn't write it that way in the first place you wouldn't have to mess around with it. you know my favorite part of songs like that is when you hear like dudes covering them at, like like, like when i would something. play it yeah it's like <laughs> There's only like four <laughs> chords there. <laughs> Somehow it still works. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's true. Yeah, yeah. That uh, sure. that reggae band, the Steadies, that I sometimes play with, they do every gig with them is like it's it's either three or four, like forty five minutes. So it's a it's a big show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot, like three albums worth of original material, but they also do probably half the show is cover stuff, and. Never once have I ever had a practice with that band, nor have I ever known half the time when I'm going to be gigging with them. There's been shows I've shown up for just thinking I'm just going to watch my buddies play. And then the the front man, Earl, goes, where's your gear? (laughs) (laughs) Go get your gear, man. And so I wind up playing. And so I'm like, I I don't know the songs that are coming up in the set, and I don't know what songs they have you know i've never played in half these songs and they always earl has this brilliant gift for for like dumbing everything down to its very very base components yeah. <laughs> yeah. that just me with my sausage fingers can just kind of muddle my way through with these three or four chords he's broken everything down to and it's and it's like man so, there's something about earl i just gotta say <laughs> watching a steady show and earl literally lives three feet above the stage Yeah, dude moves dude moves (laughs) and he's probably one of the most talented bass players i've ever seen and he does this whilst literally flying touching the ground (laughs) only to boost himself back three feet off the stage it's (laughs) wild yeah it it amazes me how much top 40 music can be broken down into its simplest components if you if you know what you're doing yeah because earl is is a 
like you said, he's a ridiculously good player. Yep. Um, so he knows all this jazz stuff. He was trained that way. Yep. <laughs> so he knows how to how to simple it down for the troglodytes. Well, like yeah, myself. I mean, when you when when it's that kind of ad hoc band and you don't know when people are going to show up you've got to keep it simple so that the changes are straightforward (laughs) yeah i mean there's no other way to do that's that's like survival (laughs) (laughs) well it's also i mean it's rock reggae so like if i can't figure a song out the the go-to to to get through the song is just always go chicka without making an actual chord yeah oh Oh, that's how (laughs) you you do that i did it i did a wedding gig a couple years ago where we had to we had to throw a couple of reggae songs in there and and um and they were simple Bob Marley tunes and stuff but but for some freaking reason we got we got into those tunes and couldn't find our way out of a couple of them <laughs> and because it, it all all it takes though is a little wandering bass player and yeah. a singer that's not dead certain me. On how the song is supposed to like wrap up, or what the third verse is, or something, and I could feel, I could feel that that the people that were dancing knew we were sketching it out a little bit, and it's the most uncomfortable feeling ever. Well, the best part, so like, uh, reggae is probably what I'm still most known for doing and, and touring with and stuff, and and so I got very familiar and comfortable with that world, but it, it's based a lot on like. DJs do not like to stop the music in Caribbean culture. They like to keep the radio flowing. Right. Yeah. Period. They don't, they right. don't stop it when they talk. Sure. Um, and so the everything, you know, starting in the late sixties started to be based around like rhythms and these things that they could blend together really easily. Yep. And yeah. so you'd have these like nine minute songs with four or five different lead singers on them. Yep. <laughs> and, um, so you, you, you notice in a lot of like, a lot of Marley and the Whalers stuff, like a lot of those tracks just like start out and then the track fades out because they don't have an ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just like, yeah. eventually the studio engineer was just like, you're done. And yeah. just, he <laughs> rolled enough. the volume off. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like it's, the ending is like your, your mileage may vary. You're making up your own ending. Cause yeah. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> That was uh that was my experience with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always I'm always hesitant. The San Diego reggae thing is a little it's a little out of control. There's we have sort of a white people reggae problem from Santa Cruz <laughs> all the way down the West Coast. And it's you know, I get it. You know, they they think they're you know, Al's like a middle-aged white guy, right? I, I, I don't, I don't. Dude, nobody was no, more self-conscious being in that band than me. Because our sorry. singer no, was from the was Caribbean, so, no. so it was like nothing for him. But yeah. like, we have all these, we have all these morons that actually <laughs> get up on stage and speak as if they have Jamaican accents, and but they're just Jeff Spicoli. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. the fake. Okay. And I, I, dude, I did a and, lot of years in reggae, thing, but fake patois from dudes that grew up yeah. in North America, yeah. whiter than what? No. <laughs> and the, just, and the, here's the thing. Ugh. So I, cause I've worked as a production manager, you know, running shows at venues and running festivals and, and, you know, dealing with all kinds of music subcultures. And 
I think my two least favorite subcultures musically to deal with as far as production goes um, is hip hop and, and reggae. And it's because it's because they treat the 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 schedule so nonchalantly and they uh take advantage of every single thing they could take advantage of so i maybe i have a bad taste in my mouth <laughs> but <laughs> well it doesn't I mean, really sound like it doesn't necessarily sound like i don't know just you do have a bad taste, but it doesn't mean you're wrong to. No. <laughs> it, it's just amazing. I've I've been. It's remarkable to me. In at a reggae show, um, backstage, they will smoke, eat, and drink everything that isn't nailed down. And there's no the the appetite is huge across the board. Um, and then so you couple that with three guys that are standing up there with dreadlocks down to their waist, but yet speaking in a, <laughs> in a Jamaican accent. And I just saw him say, you know, give their girlfriend a kiss on the side of the stage and they sound like they're the San Diego bread boys that they are. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a weird scene down here. There's, there's just nothing unique about it. It's, it's sort of a, um, and then the Jamaican guys come down here and just kill it well, yeah. and they do it right. <laughs> I, I felt very self-conscious um, the first year, I would say. I was involved in the band uh, after we started. And, and just like, because exactly where, where I come from, is like the whitest of the white prairie boy. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. Like, um, I don't want to be that dude that's hijacking <laughs> someone else's culture. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, and, uh, somebody, uh, we played a gig for the, uh, Caribbean cultural society in, in, I think, Ooh, it might've been Winnipeg or something like that. Um, There's a Caribbean culture society in Winnipeg. There is a Caribbean cultural society in everywhere. That really? was the, cra- yeah. Everywhere we went because, uh, our singers from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And, uh, so we connected with all these groups everywhere we went. And wow. so that, that was kind of a big way we built up our fan base was, was we connected with these groups and they were just happy to have like somebody from their culture singing and playing music in, in Canada and in, in, yeah, totally. you know, in Australia and, and wherever we went. Yeah. Um, and they didn't care that like one of the founders of the band was like, was a white kid from Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. Like <laughs> they, <laughs> well, they couldn't have cared less matter. because I was I mean, playing the music look- well and I wasn't doing a fake accent or yeah. anything like that. Even, yeah. you know, even though I sang about 40% of the time, yeah. um, I never put on an accent or anything like that. I would match the rhythms yeah. Yeah. of a lot the, of the, the parts. The cadence of the, of the language doesn't impart a, an accent. Though. Well, rhythm and music is rhythm and music, right? Yeah. You don't have to, like, it wasn't like I was, like, going up there like, yeah, man. Like, I wasn't oh, trying that, to do but that. But that's what we get. That's what we get in San Diego because well, they all think they're the real thing. That's it's insane. Hokey is as all. It's get so out. insane. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. And and one of these these kind folks of the the Caribbean Cultural Society, and I'm pretty sure it was in Winnipeg, um, turned me on to a documentary about uh, called Catch a Fire, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was all about one of Bob Marley's earliest albums, and just like, and he was like, "You gotta you gotta watch this documentary because you'd be amazed at how many white people were involved in recording and making that album, and it's and it's big like." It's the blending of these cultures that made that album what it is. I did, and it was. 
um, it was music from a, you know, a poor country and a poor neighborhood by people who grew up in that way and that life, um, who were getting the, the chance to work in, in really expensive studios with really expensive studio musicians and kind of direct them in, in that music and yeah. have those producers influence that music stuff. So it was really like, it kind of settled things a little bit for me where it's like, okay, I can be myself and I can still treat this music authentically and I'm not the white dude trying to hijack Caribbean culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all sort of approximating something that we love um, with, with any, with any music we play. And, you know, I, I, I made a conscious decision from a very young age, uh, as much as I loved blues, um, I did not want to be one of those dudes that was trying to, you know, imitate somebody who was trying to imitate somebody who was, you know, I just, I was like, you know what, I'm going to love the blues and I'm just going to play the guitar the way I play the guitar. And, but I'm not going to try and be, you know, the new 14 year old wonder kind that plays just like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, <laughs> because a, that sounds like a lot of work. And B, B, <laughs> <laughs> but mostly, you know, there was, there was a, there was a good amount of that coming out back then. Oh, that's geez. awesome. <laughs> you know what, man? I actually, like I really, really relate to that statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this, but damn, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody already got there, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have a good rebuttal for no. that. <laughs> no, it's like, he's, it's no, like dude, just... you hit that on the head. <laughs> like, enough, yep. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> well, okay. Let give me uh, if I can. You know, get, let's. What's your? You're going out of the house. You're doing a two hour gig at your favorite venue. Give me the real rundown, man. What are you taking? Um. Well, I would say nine times out of ten, I've got this. Um, I've got this satellite that is a one twelve now, but started life as a two ten twenty five watt combo and um with no reverb or anything and then now it's got reverb it's got a 12 it's got a cuda transformer so it's got more like a <laughs> more like a 50 watt head transformer but still with the 25 watt guts and now it's got um kt66s it's a mess, but we just keep, <laughs> we, we just keep changing it every time, you know, I'll go do a gig and I'll be like, I don't know, Adam, we could, that's the convenience of having, you know, being in the same town as that guy. It's like a hot rod shop, you know, you just sort of pull up and I go, man, I don't know. I was doing this thing last night. Oh, that's because of this. All right. Throws that out. Now, meanwhile, it's all plugged in. So, <laughs> and he's just like throwing that out, pulling that tube, plugging this in and trying this and sticking this in. And, and before you know it, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. So I don't even know what it is anymore, but, um, <laughs> but it started life as a Hellion and, um, and now it's, um, something else. So that's the go-to amp. It's a puke green, avocado green, little combo. Um, I grab that and then whatever guitar I feel like playing. I mean, I, I'm, partial to uh les paul juniors um but i've got some good fenders as well and um 
chances are if it's a blues gig, it's either the Esquire. I've got a super, super killer, completely not real um, <laughs> early 50s Esquire that Jesse from uh, Cowtown made for me. Uh, or and he made for him, really, and then I got it from him. But um, that's a killer guitar with a with a lap steel pickup in it, so it's super um, ballsy. Um, so yeah, the blues band gigs get that kind of stuff, and then the yacht rock band gets um, three thirty five or sixty six Strat that I've got that I use a lot for that stuff. Um, if I need a louder amp, I'll grab the Atom head with a two twelve cab. Um, if I'm lucky enough to be playing a gig that's even louder than that, I'll use uh, um, either the 36 with an 810, like late 60s 810 Marshall cab, or um, I've got a I've got a couple. <laughs> there's a JTM 45 style head that um, my buddy uh, Derek made in uh, near, he's in Tacoma and um, up near Seattle. And uh, he had a company called Union Jack that's now known as, uh, what are they calling it, Rolla, I think, amps. And so he made me a head um, that's pretty cool. And then Adam did some tweaking to it because, <laughs> you know, he can't leave well enough alone. We, <laughs> we had this. So he got a hold of Mark Ford's 50-watt small box Marshall that he'd used in the Crows. and. And uh, I used it a bunch for gigs and fell in love with this amp after Adam got it going. And um, and it, at some point it it became clear that that needed to go back to Adam. And I, so I said, okay, cool. So I brought my um, fake JTM 45 over and we a beat him and he changed parts hot rod style until it ran similarly. And, um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I, yeah, I want to so, be a fly on the wall in that shop at full swing. Loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even. You know what's sad? Here's here's a really really sad Al fact. Um, I don't even own an amp at the moment. I have zero. I have one borrowed amp from Casper. Oh yeah. And uh, no amps. Well, no, I guess I, if you you I, go direct, do you have a little box or something. You. Uh, most of the time I just DI when I'm doing the solo shows, I just DI'd, uh, yeah, and you've got mixer and, and PA, but, um, but what about with the reggae band with the reggae band? I used so up until recently, I've had, uh, some amp I've had, I've had amps like it's, it's only been recently that it happened. I had a Rivera Chubster. Yeah. Um, I've had a few things over the years and then just, uh, <laughs> I sold, uh, my, I injured my back a while ago. And trying to lift a Rivera Chubster with an injured back is just like uh, good luck. Yeah, no, um, dude, I I have a good back or had a good back, and tried to bring that thing into the basement <laughs> just would kill me. I know it has the weight of a dead star. I love Rivera <laughs> a lot, but their their stuff is heavy. Uh, yeah. Paul builds it like just tanks. Um, and so I sold. Yeah, it. there's times I I uh, I do miss. My my son is a total insane rocker. You know, he's 17 years old, perfect bell bottoms, perfect long hair. Always, you know, like listening to cool music and 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 just wants all the biggest amplifiers in the world. And I'm like, well, they're at the practice space, and he uses my practice space more than I do. But I was trying to. I was telling him the other day. I was like, man, it used to be that we would show up at gigs on tour. 
in the old days, like, you know, playing clubs and stuff, and there'd be three bands, and all three bands would have one or two half stacks, depending on how many guitar players they had. <laughs> Everybody would have an SVT, and everyone would have a big drum set with, like, a 24 or 26-inch kick. And that was, that was just what you loaded in the van. That's what you took to the gigs. That's what you used. And well, I, <laughs> I think of the punishment we delivered on a regular basis with two vintage 100 watt oh, yeah. marshals, 412 cabs, full SVT rig. Oh, that was my. That and was that my, was just normal. That was my rock band years too, man. That was what we toured yeah. with. Those huge rigs. And I loved. I I missed that sound and that that there was a great. It was visceral vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, but I, well, I you didn't need a PA. <laughs> exactly. No. Well, and that's what killed it, really, is PAs are so good now that, you know. Well, we let sound men win. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Um, but I, I couldn't lift the Rivera anymore, so I, I sold it. Um, and I told myself I was going to you know, find something a little more compact and appropriate. And, and, uh, and then COVID came along, and my yeah. income went up and <laughs> smoke, smoke. And uh, so I've just been amplest ever since. I fantasized. That was partly why I got in touch with uh, Adam at Satellite. <laughs> My fantasy led to me reaching out and going, you want to be on the show? Because <laughs> I, there's just some brands you just, I'm in love with what Adam and and folks are doing there at, uh, at Satellite. So, yeah, no yeah, app at all for it's me. It's fun. I mean, it's definitely, it's a, it's a thing though. Like you can't, you can't get those amps and and pussyfoot around with them. You have to you have to turn them up, and yeah. they're really only good from halfway up to all the way up. Really, it's halfway up to three quarters of the way up, and then they're just fuzzier after that. Right. And not everybody wants to do that. No, actually, uh, it's funny you say that because one of the th- the companies in the amps that's standing out for me, I know this is a little bit of a departure, but is uh, Fopstar. It's got that mm-hmm. that, uh, that Los, Los Dos, Dos Los yeah. Dos Mark II, man. That thing is killer. You know, at two watts. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be basically a, a GTM 45 at two watts. and It's got a whole lot of versatility. That, yeah. He's done a lot of work on that thing. And and um, the stuff I'm hearing, you know, obviously demos are, are you know, peak performance and, and dialed in and audio quality is all, you know, perfect. It's all over the map. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, it's not a real, maybe it's not a real representation of it, you know, live in a space, but still, man, like dude is, dude is killing it. So just want to, yeah, love to get my hands on something. And, you know, I've got a solid state Katana Mark II, uh, and, uh, you know, you've got my, my little Fender. Yep. I've got the Blues Junior. It's just a Junior. Pro as long junior. as it's not pro, a DeVille. No, it's a pro junior. Pro junior. Just a little yeah. guy. But, I mean, I've been, you know, and this goes back to not having pedals for the longest time, is I play, generally, I play fingerstyle acoustic guitar, and uh, it's not until Al, you know, basically dropped the oil in the in the drinking water and contaminated it all that I, now I've got more axes in this room than I can play in a day. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, but uh, you know it's it's the the dream to have that just minty sounding <laughs> amp you know and i've got things that suffice to play and yeah, you know. i i look forward to one day being that that uh that guy kind of was before uh you know about 10 12 years ago where i 
<laughs> had a room with 50 guitars and five or six amps and a bunch of cabs and yeah <laughs> it's not really where i'm at in life right now to have the, that kind of stuff i just want i need to i do need to get an amp though i need to get one really great amp um it's on a long list of uh things i need to yeah <laughs> need to get but well if you you know if you're heading in that kind of satellite direction uh, the hellion stuff the sort of his 18 watt you know kind of ac15 style that's um, uh that's the that's the dream the neutron um those are super cool and they're not you know they're not so you can you can turn them up and uh and and gig with them without with them i i don't even know what anybody <laughs> i don't even know what anybody wants at gigs anymore because i'll go with what i think is the quietest stamp ever and it's still too loud and then i'll <laughs> go back to that same gig the next week and because people are talking louder or drinking more or both then all of a sudden that amp is too, it isn't loud enough and i'm i'm like it's yeah. and i but you can't have something that works for everything you kind of have to have some options. Well, that's the thing, right? There's no. That's my justification. That's what I tell my wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to have it. There's, 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 there's Man, no, I just no I just commissioned the new guitar, thing. and it's like, why do you yeah. need another one? It's like, well, this <laughs> this one. Uh... Oh, you know what's really funny, you guys? My son now is he's probably got half a dozen guitars. He's seventeen. Yeah. The, you know there's a there's a moment when it, it like peaks and then it will decline i think uh because i had shoot oh more than 25 instruments at one time and i've only been playing guitar for not even 10 years yeah so it, it, shush you he's looking around the room going well there's one two three four yeah i was doing yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely doing a head count. a bunch <laughs> of this crap is yours okay <laughs> no but um yeah, so I think there's a there's a there's a sweet spot to be found uh, that fits the needs and uh, isn't too. Everybody's in a different place. Yeah, you know? I when know. I when, yeah. like when I hit the road, I was. Well, the gone. problem is sentimental value, though. Like, oh, there's I know. there's yeah. the well, I only paid two hundred bucks for this thing now, and it's worth like you know three thousand dollars. Or there's the, oh man, my band gave me this, or my wife gave <laughs> me this, or even though it's stupid. Yeah. I should sell it. Yeah. Oh but, man, I I drove four hours for this guitar that I paid seventy five dollars for. That's worth ten times that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I set a rule for myself, and because when I was when I was touring heavily, I didn't have. I I literally just kept a bedroom at my parents' place. I didn't have an apartment anymore. I because I was gone, way too much. It just didn't make sense. Um. And so I kind of set a rule for myself, like, if I don't touch it with, within a year, year, year and a half, if I don't touch it or pull it out oh, at okay. all, then I got to take a real hard look at it. And if I cannot really go, no, this is not something I'm going to touch often, but when I need it, I need it. Is that what happened to your Rickenbacker? That's, well, no, Rickenbacker was just <laughs> like, I was afraid to touch it. But does it count if you forget about it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that well, oh, I gosh. did. I I, oh. I I set the rule that it counted. I cleared out probably ninety five percent of my possessions, just just because I was like, if I don't touch it within a year, year and a half, 
it goes unless I can come up with a really good reason. I would make a point to just do like a weekly tour or you know, or month, <laughs> monthly stomp off, open each case. Oh, yeah, yeah, I touched it. Okay, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but this is also like I was single. I was on the road 280 days a year. It was like, yeah, I needed very little. The stuff I needed, I needed, but I needed very little. Right. Now, I, you know, this is way later. I'm older. I'm not on the road at all at the moment. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 married. We have like it's it's just a different place. Yeah. So you you know I can I can have more stuff now, and it can be stupid and frivolous, and that's why I, <laughs> that's why my you always it's, have a place to keep it where someone will play it. <laughs> there you go. All my excess stuff does seem to make its way to your house somehow. I think all but one of your two of your no one of your guitars is here. Uh, oh yeah, they don't count if you can find find somewhere else for them to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got I've got both the SGs and the Telly at home. Oh right, I forgot about the S four hundred. Oh, and the Telly. Yeah, okay. G four hundred. Oh, it's a G four hundred. G four hundred. Yeah. So, but most of your other stuff's here. Silly Epiphone. But really, one of those cancels out because you have one of my guitars. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> stuff just goes back and forth. Anyway, I need yep. an amp. Okay. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> And get three more after that. <laughs> well, I mean, you can always uh, plug into that. That's oh my gosh, the <laughs> behemoth of a rig. Late. I just late. want to plug it in to see if it doesn't go what up and smoke. Early '80s PV full stack just weighs more than a dead elephant. <laughs> just. Uh, God bless PV's silver stripe era. Yep. I still want a PV classic. You know what, man. Me too. With there's, the built-in phase shifter. There's mm-hmm. a guy up here selling a classic 30. Yep. Um, but it's one of the rebadged ones that PV did with Jack Daniels. So it says Jack Daniels on the front and all the. <laughs> you know what though? Those it, went for a, two hundred dollars more new. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's just a. It's just a classic 30 oh, in black Tolex with a <laughs> and, different yeah. badge. And I know. If, and the guy's I, selling it for three hundred fifty bucks. Like, oh, that's oh, not bad, man. I sent it to you. When? 350 bucks that's almost free yeah <laughs> and that's canadian so it's even cheaper for you yeah, <laughs> it is actually it's it's just, just like two no i would want the twin the like 50 was it yeah. a 50 watt or 100 watt uh, they had a classic a 50, 50 there was yeah. there was a 212 and a 410 in that in that arrangement yeah the 212 with the yeah. like early 80s 212 had a phase shifter and the foot switch yep reverb that's the one. That is it. I always wanted Tubes. the thirty though, just because the the need is not high for a you know face melter for me anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that it was amazing because um, I didn't know at the time that Leonard Skinner had used PV amps. Oh, they and, were uh, huge PV endorsements. Yeah, and though. so so, but for some reason, Sweet Home Alabama always sounded so good through that. My buddy's brother's. Uh, <laughs> PV, it's you know it's it, it's surprising how clean that song is. That's really what it's about. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And those classic series PVs. Are, I mean, they're basically just fenders, but <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only one you know, a few ways to do it, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the devil's in the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least up there, you guys you guys can claim trainer. Yeah, yeah. You know what, man? I got a trainer amp. There's like very trainers. few trainers that I ever really took to. There's a few of the classic ones from from their their heyday in the 60s and 70s yeah. that I liked. 
Yeah, the, um, the bass 50 or whatever it was, the 50-watt bass one, that yeah. sounds really good for guitar. Yeah, that's that's one of them. Uh, they've been back for, like, the last 10-plus years now. They've been, they've been, the brand has been revived by their parent company. Oh, okay. Yep. And well, uh, they haven't really grabbed Are they any much. good? It's Yorkville, right? Yorkville, yep. yeah. Yorkville, yep. Long McQuaid is their parent company. Yeah, they're they're good. They're, like, they're very reliable amps. Their warranties are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, is that is long mcquade that's like the guitar center of that's canada right. right yep yep yeah. yeah okay so long mcquade is is a there's like 80 stores here in canada they're the yep. biggest chain up here and then they are also a company called yorkville sound they're one and the same and yorkville sound owns and and does trainer as Amplifiers. well as like acts they do. as a distributor for brands like gibson and stuff up here so got it and they do all kinds of hardware stuff too you know yeah, speaker stands and mic stands and like all that. Yeah, 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 stuff yeah, yeah. Too, right? It's all hard stuff too. Full PA system, yep. the full trainer back line, and <laughs> yep. yeah. And do they have? Does does trainer now? I I could figure this out myself, but does trainer now have like? Do they have like a custom shop where they make some of the old rad ones? Like no, reissue them or no? I don't know for sure, shop. but I they doubt have, it. They just have a manufacturing facility. Like they do make a couple of the old models, but they're yeah. They're not exactly the way they used to be. They, right. They, they have modernized somewhat. Yeah. Right. Got it. Um, but some of those classic models, they've kind of, you know, they're aware that, like, people really love them and want them. And so they, they're trying to, to hit that crowd um, as well as, you know, you can buy the trainer equivalent of, like, a three-channel half stack. <laughs> right. <laughs> and stuff like that as well, which, um, yeah, it's. They're a broad company, shall we say? I got you. It's it's a big, but it's a big company. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Very okay. Much so. Understood. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, um, dude, I don't want to keep you on the on the line here forever. Oh, um, no worries. But it was really awesome to to get the chance to, to hang out and chat with you and stuff. And oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. yeah so, no. um, if people were to find you, where would you, where would they best do that? Uh, you know, the usual social media stuff. Um, <clears throat> there's the Instagram page for Andrew McKegg band. There's also, I have a personal one. doesn't matter either one. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the, and then the Facebook is kind of the same. Um, there's one for each. And then I've got a website that I never do anything with anymore, but, um, it's out there. It's just Andrew McKegg, uh, band.com. And yeah, you know, all that stuff. Hopefully cool. things come back to life. Yeah. And um yeah. we can all go, you know, do the thing we do. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Right on. Well, dude, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um No problem. Thanks everybody for hanging out and listening to uh, another episode and uh we will see, well, we won't see you, but we'll, you know, Maybe you will. <laughs> we never see our listeners. It's very no. rare we actually see our listeners. But you know. Well, I was just driving through there on the way. To, drove from Vancouver to Edmonton for a week's worth of gigs in February, right before this all happened. And uh, I, so I probably drove right by you guys. You, you definitely, you definitely would have. Yeah. Well, next it's entirely time you, possible next, that'll happen again. Next time you do that. Were you playing at like Blues on White then? Yep. Yeah, oh, cool. you did the week long residency. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yep. Yeah, that that sh- I mean, that crummy, I mean, that, <laughs> uh, no, that delightful hotel. Oh, man. Okay. So, I, 
I'm gonna do, I'm gonna I'm gonna extend this episode just a little bit. <laughs> that hotel, I don't remember the name of the hotel. Blues oh, it was, we, you've told me about this. Yeah. So I had I found like Narnia's secret bathroom <laughs> in that hotel. Were you in one of the rooms that didn't have a bathroom? I thought I was. So okay, so you've been in this hotel. Yeah. But yep. for our listeners, this this place is a flipping maze upstairs. The yeah. hallway layouts do not make sense. The room locations yep. in the hallways do not make sense. You wouldn't think you could confuse a hallway, but you can. Yeah. It's there's no rhyme or reason to the floor plan upstairs in this hotel and it's old and it smells crummy and like it's the weirdest place it's, it's so, just yeah <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing that when you're doing it like you're doing this when we did five nights or whatever which is probably the usual deal and you have to play i mean there's there was on the weekends i think it was two sets a day so yeah. two three hour sets or i can't remember how many yeah. I, i've never played so much guitar in such a short period of time in my life oh it's and, crazy <laughs> we didn't find out we were, it was like that until we got there for the show our oh. manager had told us it was just like one evening like yeah you'll do three sets in the evening we got there and they're like you guys ready you got to go on in five we're like oh it didn't know it was this early i thought it was at this time it's like that's your second one <laughs> like i'm sorry we have to do six hours of music today i couldn't believe it i was like <laughs> the, the saturday one where we had to do the afternoon i was like really now like there's nobody there's nothing there's nobody there there's yeah i'm like yeah. i'm not what and you felt you know, so weird you're rocking out like stevie ray vaughn to like nothing yep. it's so <laughs> yeah. you know so i'm so yep. i'm upstairs in the hotel and i was at first really excited because you know we were we're not mega rock stars in the band i was touring in yeah. usually it was like we're crashing on couches all in one room or something like that if we got a hotel it was still all in one room well, this place was like, we'll give you each your own room. And we were just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm so excited to sleep alone. And we get upstairs. No, but you just, weren't alone. Oh, no, you're to the spirits of depressed people who drowned in bong water. <laughs> like, that hotel, I swear, was like, you, you know, you ever see like Mickey and the Beanstalk? No, yeah. like accidentally drops the bean outside and it, that's oh, yeah, how the yeah, beanstalk. Yeah. That hotel, that's how that that's hotel Jack was erected. And the some, but some grateful deadhead was wandering down White Avenue in Edmonton, stumbled, spilled his bong water, oh, yeah. and that hotel and bar grew out of it. And <laughs> it's the it's the strangest scene. And then there's like these residential people there too. So like the down on your luck weed dealer guy and then, <laughs> and then yeah. the speed freak that hasn't paid his rent in two weeks, but yeah. nobody cares because they kind of like him because yeah. he knows some so other guy. That, it's supposed you know, to be a hotel, but there's people that live there. That's their, that's their home. It was so, yeah. so it took me like 20 minutes to wander and find my room. Yeah. There's no bathroom. The room is horrible <laughs> the furniture's in the weirdest places yeah and so there's also these communal bathrooms around uh -huh, the hallway yep yeah yep. yeah you you remember i'm so glad yeah. i love that you right know this stairs. place yeah because <laughs> <laughs> every time i tell this story it's one of these stories i tell where people are like really out like come on Al. my bed collapsed when i went in my room <laughs> i went to sit yeah. i sat on the bed and the whole bed crashed That's to the floor so, and i was like sounds huh. right. uh. <laughs> so i found the communal bathroom and i was like oh, really oh man like i gotta poop in a stall that doesn't have a door and then i gotta shower like i'm a prisoner of 15 people around me 
<laughs> so I had the most like anxiety poops and showers in the, while we were staying in this hotel because it's just like, <sighs> and then a couple couple days into this, I just got fed up with my entire room, just the set, everything. I was just so done with this bizarre hotel, and I was like, I'm the, I, that's it. I don't care. They can move it back after. I hate the way the furniture is in this room. I'm moving it around so it's like at least semi-functional in here and I start moving the furniture around and I find as I slide this TV stand dresser thingy away from one of the walls and it's huge it's a gargantuan piece yeah. of furniture I slide it away from the wall and there's a door behind it I'm no like, way what the heck why is it where does this go because there's not I've been in my bandmates rooms they don't have doors between the rooms yeah 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 so I was like what the heck is this and I open it up and it's a pristine bathroom <laughs> <laughs> no way! Yeah. <laughs> I was like behind the wardrobe. Behind the wardrobe. <laughs> no So I way. texted my bandmates. I was like, I found a secret bathroom in my room. <laughs> Why and did you like, spill the beans? I would have been like, because <laughs> they all had bathrooms. Oh, they didn't give a rip. Oh, did they? Yeah, that's amazing. I was so like excited to have a bathroom in my. <laughs> I texted them like, what the heck is wrong with you? We all have bathrooms. I was like, what? <laughs> Because I, I well, like, we so I I went in my room and the, you know the bed crashes to the floor and I'm just like, this is not gonna, this is not. I'm not a prima donna, but man, I can't <laughs> five nights in this dump. This is terrible. So I'm down at the front desk talking to the gal like, hey, can I just do you have another room to just one that the bed stays up when I sit down on it or whatever? <laughs> and while I'm down there, band leader. Um, I was playing with Henry Brown, and Henry is uh, he's Jimi Hendrix's cousin. Um, he lives in Vancouver. He's a lovely guy. He does the Experience Hendrix tours with us and had asked me to come up and play with him. And Henry's just so nice, and everyone loves him, and he loves everybody. And he's down there, you know, making small talk and stuff. And he's like, oh, you got – what's wrong with your room? And, you know, he's real confused. Well, so he shows me his room, which is, looks out on the street on the white – side you know white avenue. white avenue and his room is rad <laughs> like not only does it have a nice bathroom and the bed stays in one place but like it's laid out in a normal hotel rooms kind of way and like it's pretty comfortable it's got a little like a little lofty area and like i'm like man this is this is rad like no wonder you're not worried about it he's like oh they always give me the same room i'm like Come here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you how the rest of us are living at the other end of the hall. Oh, my God. It's terrible. That <laughs> hotel really was bad. so bad that one of the guys, sometimes with this band, we would occasionally have extra musicians come play with us just to, this is one of those gigs where we, we were doing In that. In a reggae band? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, t this reggae, it was a weird setup. Typically, it was, it was me on acoustic guitar. We had a hand percussionist and the singer, and that was it. Oh, okay. Um, so sometimes when we were doing things like this gig, it was like, all right, well, we should probably get another, a bassist and another guitarist so we can play some longer songs and fill some stuff out because it was, yeah, and, other people to play. Thank solos, goodness yeah. we did when we found out we had to play all those extra sets we didn't know about. Um, so what about, what about when they, the, one of them was four sets and I can't remember. It was one of the I days. That was Friday for us. It's Friday. Yeah, happy hour set, and then the full three hour three yeah. forty fives. You're, it's it's crazy, but one oh. of the extra musicians that we brought with us that time, he didn't do a lot of touring. Like he'd only done a little bit, and he hated yeah. that experience so much. He's like, afterwards, he's like, 
he ne- he wouldn't tour ever again. Yeah. He still yeah. just just don't call me. No, he's he's like <laughs> yeah. he's legitimately he like he got that taste of it, and he was like, "Why would anybody ever want to do this? I'm never doing this again." I'm like, <laughs> You're like, it's not useful. <laughs> he's just like, "No, we broke him. <laughs> oh, it can hilarious. be magical. This just wasn't it." <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man. so I, I found the secret bathroom in Narnia. That's hilarious. Hidden, Narnia's hidden bathroom on like the final day of <laughs> my stay in that crapple. Uh, once I the morning that I figured out how to that I could make coffee in the little communal uh, uh, room there. When I found where their coffee was stashed, like that made a huge <laughs> difference for me. That's the thing. Like finding a toilet should not be this like experience that drops you to your knees and tears but don't you think it's kind of funny how resourceful you can get like you're like okay how do i get this to work for me (laughs) (laughs) if i take my entire bag with me to the bathroom stall jam the door shut hang it here then it kind of makes a stall door (laughs) yeah well in in the case of making coffee it was I could make a whole pot of coffee, and I could just take the pot to my room. <laughs> no one, nobody else could make coffee, <laughs> but they couldn't could make, make it anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. I'm so glad we both have been there. <laughs> oh yeah, for <laughs> so sure. happy, dude. Next time you're ever, you're up here when uh, when things uh, get a little less pandemic-y, uh, definitely, you know, <laughs> I'll holler at you. Yeah. There's hang. talk of, there's talk of another, of a return. And you know, the, there's a part of me, <laughs> there's a part oh, of me no. that wants to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the money's right. I would too. But like, yeah. I don't know. It's not even about the money. It was just, it was just such a weird experience. And I, I, but I really did like being white on white Avenue and like kind of, there's lots of great food. Oh, and, white Ave is fantastic. Yeah. There's other but hotels it was there, 30 man. below and it was just like, <laughs> okay. it was February. Listen, but I remember sitting in the, the, the Chinese restaurant across the street, which was really good, but um, it was right at the beginning of the COVID thing. And so you were hearing about it, you know, from oh, in the news, yeah. but only vaguely in the news. And I remember, the Chinese restaurant got really quiet like a day or two into that week. And then all of a sudden no one would go in there, but we were there every day. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, next Anyways. time you come up and if you have to, if you have to stay there again, you get the crummy room, let yeah. me know. I know a ton of people in Edmonton will <laughs> okay. we'll, 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 we'll move you. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. This has gone on way longer than we planned on. Okay, yeah. but <laughs> this, is, this is epic. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you, we'll see you next week, and we'll just, we'll just get out of there with that. So. Adios. Adios.